Our guest speaker, Connie, is the Executive Director of the Brotherhood of St Lawrence, an organisation well known to many of us in Melbourne. She took up the role in January 2018. Uh, Connie has had 25 years experience in the development and social justice sector and, uh, like Father Frank Coldrake, uh, both Australia and internationally, from service delivery in the field to leading large teams and senior executive board roles. In Australia, her achievements include enabling partnerships with Indigenous communities, government and business to build program strengths in Central Australia and the Pilbara. And internationally, for more than six years, she led World Vision's international organisation and programs in the Middle East and Eastern Europe. More recently, she was the interim CEO of World Vision New Zealand. Connie has a Master's of Arts and an honorary doctorate from La Trobe University background that reinforces her commitment to seeking out the best evidence to frame solution for very complex social challenges in the community. I'm delighted to ask Connie to come forward and share some of that wisdom with us. Thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction and thank you for the kind invitation uh, to speak to Rotarians. It's an organisation that I'm really deeply aware of for the, a lot of the work that you do internationally. So I had the honour of working with the Dalai Lama's government in exile, the Tibetan government in exile in India and certainly the TB, International uh, Rotarian Program for the Eradication of TB, was such a vital support to that community that was so impacted. Uh, so thank you for all the work that you do and for the Brotherhood of St Lawrence, it's a, a great honour that we're um, organisations that are close. Um, I want to thank you for the invitation today. Thank you to, to Robert. I want to acknowledge uh, Reverend Peter Hollingworth, who was, of course, for a long time, a staff member and an executive director of the Brotherhood of St Lawrence as well. And Quinn, Quinn Scalzo, who um, is a really great collaborator with the Brotherhood today. Uh, as, as I begin, I just want to acknowledge that the land on which we're meeting, uh, the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. It's, uh, I was asked today to share a little bit about the Brotherhood's work and a little bit about myself. And so when uh, Phil and and Quinn came along, they said, just to talk about some of the broader issues that the Brotherhood works on. And so the title is Unlocking Potential, Advantage Thinking and Community Investment Committees. And I will come to that. It's a, a particular signature initiative of the Brotherhood of St Lawrence. And, uh, and it really highlights the way we work and the way we focus on solutions. But let me begin more broadly by, by thinking about... Um, some of the current conversations as we're moving into an election and when we start talking about the policy framework. Uh, the Brotherhood of St Lawrence, as Phil said, is a 90-year-old organisation next year. And we were started by Father Tucker way back in 1930, originally in Newcastle, but within uh, three years he came down. He was offered the church in Fitzroy, where we still are based, on uh, Brunswick Street, Fitzroy, just down from Gertrude Street and began working in the slums with a group of young men who were devoting themselves to social action 
It resonated with many people and Father Tucker was able to motivate people to support the cause because I think in part it was about our notion of who we are as Australians. We think of ourselves as people who give other people a fair go and Father Tucker really drew on that and I know one of the the slogans which is still up in our office is where he said that, that slums are up to us and so he worked with this group to say that people shouldn't live in slums, people are diminished by being condemned to live in substandard accommodation and it impacts on their children and their children's future and it impacts on their quality of life and what they can contribute to society. And so this notion of a fair go is really integral to who we are as a nation. For the Brotherhood of St Lawrence we express it today in our mission statement as um, let me get the exact wording here, as working for a fairer, more compassionate and just society in which all can fully participate in the social, civic and economic life of our nation, create and share prosperity and treat each other with dignity and respect. And I think that's a pretty good statement of what it means to have a fair go. Right now we're hearing a lot about the fair go and for us in the Brotherhood of St Lawrence, we don't agree with the way the term is bandied around. A fair go for those who have a go, a fair go for lower and middle income earners. It's about a fair go for some of our community and they deserve a fair go, but so do the most disadvantaged. I myself are from an immigrant background. My parents grew up as kids in the Second World War. Um, their education was interrupted. Their lives were greatly disrupted. Um, and that disruption and dysfunction went into my whole family life as a background. I grew up in the western suburbs. I'm the first in my whole family, the extended family, to have done tertiary education. Dad was an electrician, mum a factory worker. When they came to Australia, I think it was the land of the fair go, people were welcomed and people were supported. Dad, even though he never finished high school, was able to become an electrical engineer because on the basis of his hard work and contribution, his skills were recognised. We know it's a lot harder today. It's hard to even get an apprenticeship. When I went to school, you could finish school at fourth year of high school and get an apprenticeship and really move on. You could move into clerical jobs in our banks and in our public services and move on to very senior roles. Kids now need to finish VCE. Many of them need university degrees. That's not always possible. But it used to be easier to have that fair go, to have an opportunity where hard work would open the doors for you. Mum worked in a factory all her life. She ended up being a trainer in Ericsson, where through her efforts she was able to, to train others. Um, and she said, if you didn't like the job you had back in the 60s and 70s, you could walk out in the morning and you could have another job in the afternoon. Well, that's not Australia today. So it's not about having a go. It's really being enabled to be supported so that you can contribute your skills. The Brotherhood of St Lawrence knows with the people that we work for that they are desperate to have a go and desperate to have opportunities um, open for them and to have the support that will enable them to figure out what are their talents, what are their aspirations and how they can contribute. Uh, 28 years of prosperity we've had in Australia, consistent economic growth, and we're still saying that we cannot afford to give a decent unemployment benefit to those that are on unemployment benefits. And this is not just, you know, we sometimes call the bleeding hearts in the welfare sector. The Business Council of Australia 
believes that New Start needs to be lifted. It is a barrier to finding work if you can't afford to get jobs. I was out in Epping where we have a specialised employment service for people out there yesterday and my staff are driving uh, job seekers to interviews, are paying for, um, oh, what are those cards called? My, my key cards. Sorry, I've been overseas for a number of years. I'm still catching up. But um, buying cards so people can actually make it to the to the interview, we know that one third at least of people accessing relief, homelessness services and food banks are people on Newstart because they can't make it through the week on that. We know that um, one third, one quarter of people um, on Newstart, a report came out today to say one quarter of people with disability. And it's not that people with disability aren't able to contribute, but they often need specialised support services to enable them to make the right connections. So we're very worried that at a time of great prosperity in Australia, that we're still not opening those, those doors. We have a program called Hippie, which we know that the evidence tells us <coughs> that increasingly in Australia, where you're born defines the opportunities that you will have later in life. So if you're a young person out in the western suburbs, you're facing a youth unemployment rate of between 16 and 18%. If you're in the southeastern suburbs, it's probably 4 or 5%. It makes a difference where you're born. With the NAPLAN testing, we know that kids from disadvantaged postcodes around Australia, by the time they're 12, 13 years old, they are on average four years behind their counterparts from wealthier suburbs. Now, we know that exceptional young people with exceptional opportunities for mentoring will bridge that divide. But for the vast majority, if you're four years behind by the time you're 13, 14, you're going to be behind the whole life and you're going to be struggling. And we know our economy is changing. I meet more elderly people that we're working with who are also on Newstart, mature age workers who no longer find that their skills are needed as our economy has changed, as entry-level skills close up for young people and as skills that have been in our economy shift. So we're finding that retraining is really important because they're still productive. They still want to contribute. And we know that increasingly that um, women, as they age, are facing economic hardship. The number of women over 66 under the poverty line is increasing. We know that homelessness amongst older women are increasing. And that's a consequence of a lifetime around uh, of rates of economic participation, of um, family breakdown, of uh, potentially domestic violence, about all kinds of changes. So one of the older people in our program, her name's Moira, um, from the UK, she used to work for the BBC in Cyprus, where I used to live. She was a sociology professor at QUT. She now finds herself struggling to pay the rent. Um, her life circumstances she didn't share with me, but she says it's a real struggle, and some nights I have to think about whether myself or my cat will have supper, and I really can't put the heater on unless it's really, really desperately cold in winter. So this is the kind of poverty that sits with our prosperity. It is not optional. One in four, um, no, one in eight Australians live in poverty, 40% of kids in single-parent households. And we don't need to have that, and we know that doesn't reflect a fair go. And I'm here to tell you there are solutions. So just like your um, uh, 
motto is people of action, the Brotherhood of St Lawrence are also people of action. And in fact, we partner with people just like yourselves. The Brotherhood believes that the best form of welfare is a job. So helping people get ready for the jobs of the future, ensuring they have the access to the right vocational training, tertiary training, as well as support into the culture of work. Kids that come from a background where parents have never worked are, find, are going to find it very difficult because there's, there's much that we, we share with our children over their upbringing that they've missed out on. So they need specialist services to bring them up to speed so they can be productive in a modern workplace. We partner with businesses, and this is where advantage thinking comes in. In the services that we do through our Transitions to Work program, we work with young people, first of all, finding out what's in their heart. Not, you need a job, let me find the, the, the easiest job I can find for you to do, but what's your aspiration? What's your ambition? What makes you excited about the future? And then we look at finding what training they need. We find out what employers are working in this space. We give them work tasters. So we have lots of employers, big and small, that will provide opportunities for our young people to come and just spend a couple of days in the workplace to get a sense of what a workplace is, what happens in that workplace, how people relate to each other. Um, we have a number of organisations that will give a six-month uh, work experience, which for a lot of people is, is the catch-22. We often look for people with experience. Well, giving them that six months is amazing, giving them that experience. And they often go on from that very quickly to full-time work. When I talked about, um, at the beginning, our, our um, topic for today, Advantage Thinking, and community investment committees, that's at the core of what the Brotherhood does in all our programs. What is your ambition as a job seeker? How do we help you get ready for that? How do we work with businesses to identify entry-level positions, the jobs that they struggle to recruit? Because whenever I'm on the radio, there's always someone who will ring up as an employer and say, I've got jobs and I can't find people. So we go and we try to find out, well, what's the barrier? Why, why do you find it hard to recruit? What are the skills you need? What goes wrong with the people that come and don't stay? And we bridge that divide. Um, and then we work with these community investment committees, which are very local, just as poverty is location-based and has multiple dimensions, so do the solutions. Um, they're also locally based, place based. And so we work with what are the local businesses in the area, what are the local education providers, what's the local government doing, what are the other um, uh, welfare organisations, and we bring them together to identify where are the economic development opportunities, how do we advocate for those, how do we ensure that people have the right skills so they end up in the right job. One of the programs we do is called Given the Chance for Refugees and Asylum Seekers, and we work with uh, the ANZ Bank. And Shane Elliott told me recently that when um, he started, and he was doing his, a couple of years ago when he started in his, his role, he was taken around to lots of branches, and he started always um, at these local branches, you're introduced to the best staff, yeah? You know, the branch manager will pop out the best staff. And he thought, interesting, this is a very diverse group. And then he found out, actually, a lot of my staff are through this Given a Chance program. They're people who um, 
uh, come from all over the world. Many of them have really good skills. They're not necessarily acknowledged yet. By They have to overcome some hurdles to get those skills recognised. And they don't have the Australian experience. So we work with them. We work with the ANZ, the people on the ground, not the managers, the people who are working with them as colleagues. And uh, we've now placed 220 people over, I think, about four years, five years with the bank. And Shane Elliott will say that they're some of my best employees. Over 80% of people who've gone for this six-month give-it-a-chance are actually offered permanent jobs with the bank because they are so grateful for the opportunity they've been given. And for the bank, uh, again, another line from Shane is, uh, we wanted to do something good and we found out it was good for business because these people reflect our community. They bring the diversity into the bank, into its front line and into its services that actually reflect the Australian community and make a huge difference. So on our Transitions to Work program, similarly, it was a youth program that the Brotherhood invested in. We invest in doing something practical. We have a very strong research contingent and that's what sets us apart. We invest in um, the dual tracks of being on the ground, delivering services with people whose names we know, as well as investing in the research to understand how is this working? How do we improve practice? How do we um, improve the, the way services that are funded by government are delivered? How do we design services, <coughs> excuse me, for the gaps that exist? So transitions to work, it was a gap for disadvantaged young people. It worked really well with these community investment committees, with the with the TAFEs. We then promoted it to uh, the federal government, the Department of Jobs and Business, Small Business, and uh, advocated that it be mainstreamed across Australia. It's now in 52 employment areas. The Brotherhood doesn't run that. We don't want to run any more than the two areas we're involved in, because that's what we need to do to keep our hand in the game. We partner with other local organisations. We don't want to hang our shingle up everywhere. We want to work with local organisations who are locally embedded, locally active, connected with their business communities, with their local government, with their education communities. Two years later, that model is so successful, the Minister, Michaelia Cash, contacted me to say, I'd like to meet your team, I'd like to understand why your group consistently achieves much better outcomes, at least 30% better than anybody else. What we did <coughs> with the tender is we worked, continued in two areas, and we invited other providers to join a community of practice. So we lead a community of practice for 13 other providers all around Australia, and we continue to, not that we're we have all the answers. It's through working with others that we continue to refine our practice. On the basis of that, we were funded this year to set up a National Youth Employment Council. And that youth employment body is now um, chaired by Sam Moyston. Uh, we have the Secretary of the Department of Jobs, Kerry Hartland is on the board of that, um, as well as a senior person in PwC Skills. It's a great example of how you go from identifying a gap starting to do some work, figuring out how you need to do this so it works, and then advocating for it with others. And the beauty of the model is it actually is about people in action. It doesn't require government to take the first step. It takes us to say, we want our young people to have opportunity. We believe that there is more than enough prosperity in our nation for us to create those opportunities so that they can be contributing into the future. 
<clears throat> so what we're advocating at the moment is that while we have low unemployment, we know that underemployment is very high. A third of women are working, or I think 50% of women are working um, part-time when many of them are wanting more than that. We have one of the highest underemployment rates today and we know that many people have very insecure employment. If you don't know from one week to the next whether you're going to have five hours or 15 or 20 hours, you don't know from one week to the next whether you can meet the rent bill, the energy bill, um, the requirements for your children's school. So our campaign at the moment is called Just Futures. Our economy is changing, new opportunities are opening up and we as people in action need to work together to work out where they are and which are the doors that are closing and make sure that we're creating those opportunities together so that young people of the future are able to find their feet and that mature aged workers and our community that's disadvantaged as they age are still able to live a life of dignity and respect and to be able to contribute. So economic security is a big campaign for us. It's about decent work, being able to have secure work so you can make plans. And uh, yeah, let me finish at that point and open up for questions. There's a lot more that I could say. I suppose, let me say one more thing about the Brotherhood. We work from cradle to grave. So we're a... Um, a 90-year-old organisation that works around Melbourne and Victoria with partnerships around Australia that's about developing innovative approaches, creating partnerships with others, not competing with others, but seeking to, to learn. We're part of the Anglicare Network. We're part of the Australian um, uh, Council for Social Services, so we see that as really critical. We work in financial inclusion with banks... Um, and with other uh, not-for-profit organisations. We work on uh, disadvantaged families learning how to be their, their child's first teacher so that they can create rich home learning environments for their children because we all know that those environments in the early years are the basis upon which children will succeed in the future. We work with kids and their families that are struggling in school. We reconnect kids who disconnect from school into training or employment and we work... Um, in partnership with local, state and federal governments to be looking at the adequacy of our social security safety net to ensure that it is fair and dignified for those that rely on it. And the final point, I'd, and we work with elderly people. We run residential aged care facilities and home care packages, particularly for those who are facing homelessness. One last point on social security. The HILDA data tells us that over 60% of us in a decade, will at some point or another rely on the social security safety net. It is not a small group of people who are perpetually living in disadvantage. The social security safety net is there for the vast majority of Australians for whom um, life sometimes deals a, a difficult hand and we need that system that allows everyone to have the surety that they're going to be supported when they run into, into difficulties. Thanks very much for the opportunity to share with you today.